0: Nox game design, May 2020, Ludum Dare 46 entries and leaderboard security,
1: with Jacob, Dylan, and Levi. Welcome everyone to Knox Game Design for May 2020. This is a monthly discussion of game development topics. Uh, my name is Levi Smith. I'm in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Also on the line, we have Dylan Wolf in Lenore City. Hi. Uh, so I'm going to start out with a little bit of news here, if I can get everything straight. So this month is going to be showing off the games that we made for Ludum Dari, and I'm also going to talk about a little bit about... Uh, uh, leaderboard security or lack thereof. Uh, so, let's get... So, the first bit of news that that we we're talking about in the Discord channel is that Bitbucket is going to... It sounds like they're going to totally remove all the... Uh, not subversion. Mercurial repositories. Yeah.
0: They announced this a while back. I think what they ended up doing was like pushing it forward to... People are working remotely now and, and, you know, kind of gives you a grace period to move off, but they're still, they still are shutting it down. So,
1: yeah, that kind of surprises me. It just seems like, oh, since they already have uh, Git repositories on Bitbucket, it looks like they would just migrate them over to, to Git for you. And I looked on Bitbucket and there doesn't seem to be an option. It's almost like you got to. Download your repositories if you don't have them downloaded already. Convert them to Git yourself, then upload them back.
0: To yeah. When they first announced that, I remember them kind of discussing that of like, you know, hey, there's nothing we can do. Even though there are ways that you could convert Git rep- or uh, Mercurial repos to Git, there are, are extensions for that. I don't know. I, I can understand that like Git and Mercurial were kind of competitors for a while or not you know not really competitors given they're both open source but yeah,
1: just like two different options that kind of do the yeah. same thing and I, I could not tell you the difference between git and Mercurial. i mean they both do commits I, I know with git you have staging which is like one extra step before you commit but
0: yes so git kind of uses like mercurial by default most of the tools just take every all the changes you've got for files you've got added and include them in the commit, whereas Git is kind of the other way. Like, you have to whitelist the changes you want. Um, You can actually do some interesting things. Like, you can go through and cherry-pick specific um, changes and roll them up into a commit. You can save your entire repo to a file if you want to move it around. Um,
1: I always remember, like, with Subversion, I don't know if Mercurial is this way or not, but uh, you would have to create your repository on the server, then clone it down. But it seems like Git is kind of like you're saying backwards. It's like you would have to. I always had to create my Git repository local, then push it up, kind of force it in. But yeah, maybe I'm just not doing it the right way.
0: <laughs> well, technically, technically you can do it either way. The idea is that everyone has a full copy of the repo, and then you're pushing changes back and forth. So I've done it where I've created on the server, pulled it down, made my commits, pushed it back up, and I've done it where I've worked locally and then just pushed everything to a a blank repo.
1: I guess I'll mention it real quick. I I didn't want to make this a talk about uh, Git or anything, but I do use a tool I'll share it out here. I use... Uh, Git GUI, I think if you download Git from, like, the main Git website, you get Git GUI. So I can just go, like, open, repository, browse, then go to one of my projects, uh, projects. Here's, like, my latest one. And, uh, I guess that's it right there. And open. Open? A little bit slow. Yeah, so you get this interface. I don't know about, and then I'll show you which ones have changed. So you, this is a pretty nice tool if you don't want to use the command line. I mean, I guess the command line's faster, but uh, you can just stage which ones. Usually, just stage changed, then write your commit message, then push. And then there's tools for your remote, so you can uh, add a remote, and this is where you put the details about where, where on Bitbucket or GitHub you want to push. So that's a nice little tool, but. Anyway, um, so I had a boatload of repositories. And, Dylan, you were telling me that there was a tool in GitHub for importing a Bitbucket repository. So it's just right here. Uh, I found it. and just import repository. Then you can just go to repositories. And, like, if I want to clone this one or pull this one over, I just copy the link and then paste it into here, then I give it a new name on GitHub. Then I usually just mark it as private and make it public if you want to.
0: Yeah. And if your if your repo is private on Bitbucket, you will have to log in. You you will have to give GitHub your credentials uh to
1: get that to work. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, they say they don't store that information, so I, I, I guess I believe them. But yeah, I, I did this like a hundred and thirty times. It was ridiculous, but but it, yeah. it got all my repositories except or no, one hundred and thirty. So I have one hundred thirteen repositories on on uh, GitHub now, which most are private, but it pulled all of my Bitbucket. Uh, projects over except for one the expand Ray, the little robot game that i made the nice thing is is that uh if you do it this way it actually saves all your commit history which is pretty cool like i can see all the changes that i made for which i was able to do this on bitbucket but it's just cool this is a little bit better than just like downloading uh an extract on Bitbucket or your latest release. This kind of keeps the history, just in case you want to go back for whatever reason and see. And the other cool thing is uh, on Bitbucket, uh, you can go, if you go to your profile page, profile, uh, it always shows how many commits you make, which you can, you can, I don't know, Hack is a bad word, but you can modify this, I mean, if you know what you're doing. But I can go back to, like, 2013, I can can see the commits that I made from this repository that I pulled over from Bitbucket. Or if I go to 2016, I can see all the commits that I made in 2016. So it actually pulls all that information over from Bitbucket, which is pretty cool. Okay, I think that's all the news that I had. Material. Oh, so on the Discord channel, I created a new Introduce Yourself channel. I think a lot of people have been posting their information. I did this because, like, uh, when I was doing some of the write ups and doing some of the posts, I'll see, like, Locksmith Army. And I was like, who is Locksmith Army? And are they from Knoxville? I was like, oh, okay, J- this is James here. So. Uh, I know some people had been, like, introducing themselves in the main channel or the general, but then I'd have to go back, like, a million posts and find out who these people are, so.
0: Yeah, that seems to be, like, a problem with Discords is everything kind of gets dumped into the general channel at first.
1: Yeah, I don't know if there's a way <laughs> to search old posts, but but this works out pretty good. So, um, I'm I'm doing this as I go, as we go. Uh, if I see a need for a channel, like Game Jam Entries or Show Off, then I'll add it. But I'm not going to add a million channels just so we have a, a million channels. So. Yeah, I think it's it's
0: always a balance of, like, add channels when you need them, but don't, like, pre-populate, like, a bunch of different channels.
1: I've seen a lot of <clears throat> uh, Discord uh, servers with just millions of channels, and you don't know where to go to... Find the latest information. Okay, that's all the news. Now if I can find out where I was here. Okay, go back to Dylan. Uh, Dylan, did you want to start out off showing off your Litem Dare game?
0: Are you uh, ready? yeah. <laughs> I I wasn't expecting to be first. Okay, <laughs> I can show
1: off uh, some of the other games then first. Then I'll come, okay. back, come back to you. Uh, so uh, I think this was Locksmith Army. Yeah, Locksmith Army. Oh, let me show it. Share this out. Share, 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 share. There we go. Um. So this is uh. Looks like James worked <laughs> with one other person. I don't know if this other person is from Knoxville or not, but uh. Yeah, we want to welcome James to our group, and uh, yeah, he's uh, a Knoxville resident. Uh, and he's a software engineer. And he's been working as a software engineer since 2013. Uh, and he worked at the programming department at Fountainhead College of Technology. And he, he hasn't done any major games, but he's working with Unity to get his skills up and everything. He's got his website, lsadevelopment.com. And he's Locksmith Army on Discord. Uh, so, yeah, he made a game with someone else. Let me see if I can go back. It's called Raising Cerberus, and it was pretty cool. I played it, and it seems like it was a kind of a collection of mini-games. So I'm assuming this, of course, was a quote-unquote jam game where they did it in 72 hours using pre-existing assets. Uh, this first game is kind of like a little fishing game. And then he has another game uh, where you're kind of shooting, kind of like uh, Defend the Planet or whatever, Space Invaders. Um, let's see if I can run this guy here. can't remember where I put it. Uh, maybe I just need to download. Or is it web? I think I think I can.
0: I think it was web. That's yeah. the way I played it anyway.
1: There we go. <clears throat> So you can enter Hades, and you got, I think, the objective of the game, so let me back up. So Ludum Dari 46, the theme was keep it alive, so you got Cerberus, the three-headed dogs, I guess that guard Hades, you got to keep them alive by feeding them dog food. Um. So it looks like you get a little bit of food there to start out, but the thing that I really liked about this game is the world map, so you can kind of pick where you want to go, so you can go to, like, I guess this is the River sticks, And you got kind of like a fishing line, and you gotta catch these little orbs right here, which is pretty cool. Now, the thing that I r- never really did figure out is how to convert uh, what you catch into uh, uh, currency or whatever you need.
0: So, I think the way it works is... Um, when you fish, you'll get these like items in your bag. Here, I don't remember what those were called, mm-hmm. and you can do a couple of things with them. You can take them to Charon to sell them for food, mm-hmm. and that's going to take essentially a day in game time. Oh, okay. You can also take them to Cerebrus to uh, like play with.
1: Yeah. And that's going to
0: increase your entertainment gauge. So you want you want to keep your food and entertainment gauge up. And then there's also another um, yeah, there's another mini game down here yeah. where you can pay gems to hire nymphs to guard the gate. If you don't, you can get gems from fishing mm-hmm. occasionally. Um, and then you can go to guard the gate and like firing at the heroes, like killing heroes will give you. Um, occasionally give you gems that you can oh. go back.
1: And, I didn't know I could get gems from shooting the heroes.
0: Yeah, I kind of felt like, and, and this is the way games like this go, like weekend game jam games go. Like, I feel like this should have been a whole other bar.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and maybe like some cleanup, but, um, I really like the the fact that you were managing all these these different types of resources, and the subsystems were kind of interconnected.
1: Yeah. See, that's the part that confused me was like all the different resources. I was like, uh, oh, maybe just have gems and so like converting it into dog food or whatever kind of confused me. Or like yeah. the whole selling it. I mean, it's fine, but uh, yeah,
0: just- it's not it's not clear though. We- that- but, yeah
1: and this is a game jam game, so yeah I'm
0: really yeah not
1: criticizing it or anything yes. no,
0: I think once i got it got the hang of it like if you if you were making this into a polished game, I can imagine like slowly introducing these things exactly. the thing that's tough is is like both of the mini games require um so much precision and kind mm-hmm. of you know like planning your actions out that like you have to lead when you fish, you have to lead when you shoot heroes and it can be, it can be kind of tricky, but it's, it's, it's really neat the way everything interlocks together.
1: Yeah. I wonder if they did the art themselves. I didn't read the whole post or not, but uh, really it's kind of the artwork that you do dealing with the kind of like watercolor style and everything.
0: Yeah. I noticed like, I don't, I don't know how much of that is hand drawn, how much of that is
1: um, pre existing,
0: or, or digital. Yeah, like, but yeah, that that was one of the things that was really neat as well.
1: You got this little timer down here. I guess that's your thirty days that you have. Um. Yeah,
0: I think every minute is equivalent to a day. So, if look a, a game of this will take thirty minutes. Oh, okay. If you win.
1: I like the concept, and I really like the art. Um, oh yeah, it's it's
0: it's a really really interesting concept. Cute puppies.
1: <laughs> okay, so the next game on the list is Jacob's game, which see if I can find it. I think I just have it on the main page here. Um, yes, I don't know if you pronounce this machina or machina. <laughs> don't know i know in like final fantasy 10 that this i think this is pronounced machina but yeah jacob he made a game maybe he'll be here later maybe he'll be here in a future episode and tell us a little bit more about machina but uh his description is you play as a robot making its way through an impossible facility filled with mechanical ghosts you must keep your batteries filled by uh, standing under strange floating light sources and avoid the ghost by not staying in their de- detection for too long. So I have this I'm fired up. So obviously it's a Game Maker game. And uh, I really like what he did in this one, so you can actually see the uh, area. It's kind of like a little aggro area around the enemies. Uh, and yeah. Feet- if you get within that, then I think they get angry and start chasing you or shooting you. I can't remember. I think they just chase you. Yeah, I
0: never I never actually lost that way. I, I kind of assume that they sap your battery or something like that.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't remember if they actually... Yeah, I think you're right about that. But yeah, I think you get in this, within this little red area of the battery, then it'll fill... Your battery back up. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, there's like some hit detection there. Yeah, it it, it maxes out at fifteen oh six. I can't I never figured out if you can walk on the black part or the.
0: No, I think you actually have to get fully in the tunnel. But one of the walls kind of is a lip up uh, up at the top of the tunnel, and so you have to make sure you're between that. Uh, okay. Which, I mean that that can happen. It, it, He's not like he's kind of hand drawing these things and laying them out. Yeah. Um, instead of using like a tile grid, so that that can happen. Like any time I've done games like that.
1: Yeah, that's that's been a frequent, like you're saying, a frequent issue with games. Like if you got a corridor <laughs> that's one tile wide and one tile high, and your character is also one tile, then you sometimes you got to make your character make the hit detection box a little bit smaller than a tile, so you can. So he can get through, uh, but yeah, yeah he, he did a lot of work on laying out this level. I was impressed. Uh, I, I'll admit I didn't make it all the way through, but uh, got
0: pretty- I made it to something that I thought was the ending. Like it's a big crystal spike-looking thing, oh, and then okay. I can keep walking. So I don't, I don't know if I actually finished it or not. Yeah. Um, me- I really like. Like I typically hate stealth games. Yeah. Um, just because they require so much precision, I think this is a really good example of a game that uses stealth mechanics, but um, is more forgiving. Like,
1: yeah.
0: you kind of have to—you um, y- kind of have a, the opportunity of, of working your way around if you get caught or if you get stuck. Um, what I really like is, like, the level design is is set up so that you kind of have to explore and uh, make some choices, and that was really good.
1: Yeah, Jacob's done a really good job uh, with his level layouts. so I, I like, he had an, another entry, I guess a few, let him dare his back, uh, it's called Fire, where you're, like, at a campground, or I forget the actual name, it's something like Fire, and it's kind of like this, where you just go out and explore, and... Try to get to the end, I guess.
0: Yeah, and this is this is one that I could see if you if you if you decided to make it into a full game and kind of polish it up, you know, you could have the lights act as checkpoints, and you know that that would make it really forgiving and yeah but still kind of capture that stealth aspect
1: because with this if you get hit one time by an enemy i think it sends you back to the beginning but it seems like it's still kind of forgiving i mean if you get to get in the hit detection area which is pretty cool i've never seen jacob do this one in one of his games like if it detects you then it gives you a little bit of uh i can't i don't know the word i'm thinking of but a little bit of leeway i guess and before it actually comes to attack you and then when it notices you then it kind of it, it comes at a straight line at you so even if you are detected you still kind of have a chance to get out of the way um, so like yeah
0: but if you leave if you leave its zone it, it stops chasing you so it's not like the game is over if you screw up
1: mm-hmm so yeah, it's pretty cool. The thing that I was wondering, it looks like this robot has a meter on its on its chest, and I think it would be cool. I don't think it does this, but if you had that meter on its chest go down as the power goes down as well, that would be really difficult to do in Game Maker. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, just because you need a new sprite or have to figure out how to use a draw a line command to do that. But that's one of the things I noticed. I think that's a meter. It kind of looks like a little red needle on its chest there didn't
0: like i didn't put that together
1: but yeah i could see that yeah. that being a meter it's kind of hard to see you gotta get really close in there and see it so yeah uh, yeah i'm not good at stealth games either i never was a fan of metal gear uh so i don't think i'll be able to complete this one uh but I got pretty far i mean you just you get to the point where there's a lot of enemies around and there, it looks like there's bugs or something over there. Yeah, like actually
0: you, you make your way around and then you come up through, like the crystal is all the way south of that. Oh, and yeah. like I said, I wasn't sure if if that was the end and he just didn't have an ending or, which, I mean, that's the way game jam games go.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Like it's, it's really easy to leave off like a win condition.
1: Yeah, that's perfectly understandable. It kind of reminds me of that game Alan Wake, where you get to the, like when Jacob put in his description, where you got to get to the light. That's kind of like what it reminded me of. You get to the light, and but I think in that game, it's like if you got to the light, then all the enemies would, in that area would disappear. But this is kind of like, oh, run to the next battery charger. Uh, I, if, if Jacob was here, I would ask him if there was any significance to the. I think it's like fifteen oh six power or maximum power. yeah uh, that's kind of just like an odd number i'm wondering if he just picked that or if it's like his favorite number
0: yeah i noticed the same thing i was i just figured you know it was was kind of a random number
1: yeah oh odd odd oh well (laughs) so yeah check out uh machina by jacob i think he has it on his game jolt page um so Dylan, did you want to uh, go next? I was going to save mine for last and so I'm going to talk a little bit about security and stuff. Leaderboard security.
0: Okay, I can do that. All right, let me um, stop sharing. Entire screen. All right. So mine was uh, Potted Plant Simulator. And I actually... Um, it's going to look a little different because I actually uh, posted... New version today. Oh, okay. So this is kind of—we actually talked about doing something like this uh, when we did the theme kickoff mm-hmm. of like a um, tamagotchi for uh, like houseplants or something. And the idea is essentially it's it's procedurally generating this using different branches. Um, to keep the plant growing, you have to give it plant food, and that will allow it to uh, grow and sprout other other branches. To keep the plant alive, you have to give it water. If you don't give give it water, those branches will slowly uh, start uh, shriveling up, and those branches won't be able to spawn. Uh, yeah, like right there, new plants.
1: I really like it how it just kind of withers away with all the you got different frames of animation so it just kind of looks like it gradually decays k- away
0: Yeah it was um it was really interesting like the the whole idea for this came to me when I was like well it it seems like you could build a tree of branches um and then push data you know like back and forth between them And so what it does is, um, you know, there's a certain pool of uh, water and plant food that when you click the button, it applies to the, the, um, the plant itself. And then each branch in succession will pull water from it. If it can't pull water, it starts shriveling. It will also push plant food up. And if, if a branch can support new branches, then, or if a branch is growing, then it'll get a share of that plant food. And,
1: um... So, is it, is it possible for the branches that are further out to wither away, uh, if you don't give it enough food and water, and for the, like, the main root branches to still stay alive?
0: Technically, the way I built it, it could... I think like um, each branch pulls a certain amount of water, and if that branch, you know, and that consumes it, if that branch runs out of water, then it will it will shrivel up by itself. Oh, okay. But like the way I've got the numbers set, it's it's not really going to do that unless you have the time scale really high, and and like you're not going to see those individual frames. Oh,
1: okay. I think it's really cool. It reminds me of uh, something we have, like kudzu. Something we have a lot, or ivy. Something that definitely applies to East Tennessee. So after the branches have withered away and died, if you start watering and planting again, oh. then the root will start to grow new branches again. But the ones that have previously shriveled up, they don't ever come back, right?
0: No, they they actually do. Like I didn't I didn't do that much detail to it. Okay. Um, and i'm not really sure why um it's it's growing like this i think that may just be the way um the way i'm like handling food and handling water pushing down the tree mm-hmm. um it's it's funny because like i found some bugs in this i started writing a blog post on how i constructed this and i found just like Huge major bugs in how I was rendering things. So, um, this is definitely one where I'm like, yeah, that's good enough. It works. I'm not going to get into details. Um, but one of the, the tricky thing is if you give the plant too much food, you're going to get to a point where you can't keep it watered. Oh, okay.
1: So, there's kind of a balance.
0: But, Yet,
1: so I'm assuming like for each branch, when you want to create a new branch, you, you take the current angle of the parent branch and then like set like a minimum and maximum angle from that one to do the next. Because you don't want your child branch to point directly back toward the parent branch.
0: Right. And that was actually one of the bugs I found. Like wh- the original way I tried to do it was each branch was a child of the, the last branch in the unity hierarchy. And I ran into some weird scaling issues with that because that's how I make it look like it's growing as I, as I apply scaling. Um, yeah. So, so branch can generate new branches at the end point or at a certain set of predefined joints along the branch. And it's, it's just random how it decides to do it. um, and yeah, so if it's at the end point, it's like from negative 30 degrees to 30 degrees. Oh, okay. You've got kind of full range of motion out the top. If it's off the side, then it's something like, like 30 to 60 degrees. Like it'll either be way out or kind of in the same direction like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a... In fact. I basically the way I set up the plant object was you you can say, okay... Give a scaling for branch length. Give scaling for plant branch growth. Um, yeah, give a min-max angle at the endpoint. Give a min-max angle at the joint. You know, generate a certain number of leaves. Generate a certain you know allow a certain number of children, etc.
1: Oh, okay, that makes sense because you don't want to have one branch with like thirty different. Child branches, so it's good to limit that. And so your water and plant that that just regenerates over time, right?
0: Yeah, and that was that was basically what I had to do to give it some sort of challenge, because yeah. otherwise you can just like keep clicking as much as you want.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of like a simulation, kind of like like a, like a Sim City or Sim like the old Maxis games. There's really no end game to this. It's just no just to try to keep your plant alive.
0: Yeah, and and like I said, eventually I think you'll end up with a plant. Um, you know, if you just keep dumping plant food and keeping it watered, you're going to end up with a plant that's that's so big that it's you just can't um, you can't keep it alive, or can't keep the whole thing alive.
1: Now you you can't overwater or, or overfeed it, right? No, like I said, it's just when you click the button,
0: it's just increasing the the total count for the plant, and it's not. There's no logic that says you know if you know if that pool's too high. Like I said, it's really simple. But by not defining it, I felt like I could you know, make it
1: feel more complex than it is. Yeah, And if you make things too restrictive, because it seems like I played maybe one of the games sort of like this, and it's like, oh, if you fed it too much, then it's going to die. And it's like, oh, just let me feed my plant and <laughs> let it grow. Yeah.
0: Like the idea at first was just to make this like an idle clicker game where you could run it in the background and just come back to it, whenever.
1: I think it's very cool. Hey, it looks like Jacob joined us. Hey, Jacob, can you can you hear us? I can hear you. Hey, uh, we were playing your game a little bit earlier. Uh, did did you want to show it off this month? I could show it off. Yeah, that'd I be have cool. It
2: open in a folder over here.
1: Now is it called? Is it machina? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, it's like machina, like
2: Deus Machina, I guess, or Machina, however you. I guess it. I
1: I just kind of named it that. Yeah. because so, I, I was wondering, like, this could be Machina, but I remember in Final Fantasy X, they they ha- is they have Machina, and it's spelled the same way. So I was like, I think that's the right way.
2: Yeah, So, so you play as this guy, this robot dude, and it's <clears throat> it's kind of like a stealth game in a sense, in which you have to like get past the ghost robots, as they're called. Like the blue like these guys are right here the rope the Trapezoids the blue eyes and all the tendrils on the bottom and the idea of this game is like you have to keep yourself alive By like getting down to the lamps down there and standing un- and like recharging your battery So like you stand here and you recharge yourself so then you can move on to the next zone or like next series of rooms and you have to You know chain to get you have to like get to the different safe spaces that have the lamps in them i think there's one down here so like with these robot guys you get into the circle of them and if you stand within this circle for too long they run at you and you have to try to get out of the way if that happens like as you can see they'll like run right at you and you gotta move out of the way or they'll get you yeah,
1: it's like not, how you can see the hit or the like the aggro range or the detection area. Then it goes red whenever when you're in its uh, detection area.
0: Yeah, yeah We we were talking earlier. Like, I I'm not a huge fan of stealth games because they they tend to be pretty. Um, fiddly, but this was really, like, I really enjoyed this because it was so forgiving. You have a few seconds before the robot actually reacts to you.
1: Yeah. Then if you get out out of the way, then it's like they don't chase you anymore. And That's one thing that I hate about Metal Gear, is like, oh, once I get caught, then I'm not caught forever, unless I run for, like, two miles or something.
2: Yeah. This is just a simple, like, game, because I've never made, like, a stealth game before, so I just made one of these.
1: I think you know. it's really good, especially for a Ludum Dare game jam.
2: Yeah, yeah. Originally, I wanted to have them like have a cone of vision, instead of just a circle. But there was like a lot of weird visual bugs that kept happening that were messing with the actual vision cone. So I just simply like scrapped that and did circles because that was easier for it to work with. Let's wait. And like an like your actual battery will like stop draining if you stand within the circle. That's not oh well. Like it'll just stop draining within the circle. I thought that could be like a cool like thing that like if you stand within like the middle like the actual white circle it just stops draining. Like it could be like risk reward thing in a sort if you need it if you're like low. Then you need to like stop draining for a second so you could figure out what you need to do next.
1: So you're kind of like could, draining that energy from the enemy. Once yeah, too close. that's cool. I didn't I didn't realize that when I played it.
2: Yeah, it's not really a big thing, and it's not very. <clears throat> you could do it, but it's not necessarily going to, you know, be the best thing to do than just running past them. But yeah, it's just a very simple game. There's not really much to it
1: so one thing i was asking dylan earlier it kind of looks like there's a meter on the front of the uh robot there is that what that is on what the little like
2: gauge on the front of him yeah no that was just a gauge like a decorative thing because these are robots so it's like a robot thing
1: is there any significance to the fifteen oh six for your maximum energy, or, or was that just a random number you picked? That was just a random
2: number I picked. Oh, okay. So then you had like a fairly decently sized, like health pool because that drains fairly quickly, so you don't have a lot of time to run between rooms mm-hmm. to get to the these charging lamps. So like the so. As like we all know, the theme was to uh, the original. Of course, the theme was like keep it alive, Mm -hmm. and I had a few ideas for that, like an exploration game, or like you're in a factory, like a setting like this, where there was like different organs within the factory running different parts, and like the entire idea was to keep the factory alive by making all the robots inside happy, which in turn would make the organs healthy. But I couldn't like I tried to do that, but Like that didn't work out too well because it was getting like I didn't really know how I could do that within the scale I wanted, so I just had to go down to a simple stealth game where the entire idea of keep it alive is keep yourself alive. So you know, I do wish I, I could probably like use that idea sometime in the future, at some point if I really wanted to, which I may, but at the time being, it's just this little game.
1: Yeah, I think we all started th- out with like, big ideas. I, I know I did that with my game, too. I was like, oh, i want to do this and that. And I was like, oh, I just got to whittle it down, make it something simple. <laughs>
2: yeah. That seems to happen most times when we make, like when games are being made, is it's too big within the span we have, so we have to make it smaller so then we can actually make it
1: but yeah, I think you did a great job for the level design, because this is a fairly complex level. Uh. So. Yeah, it's just one big level, as you've seen. I kind of took, like,
2: like, each, <clears throat> like, each different section kind of has a gimmick, or I tried to make it one, have one. This one doesn't really have one. It's just, like, three big rooms, effectively. Mm-hmm. Just, like, one room, you have a side room, and then you just have this, like, one very big room up here that's just a bunch of enemies in it.
1: Now I saw like a little island uh, at the corner there with like it looked like two little microchips or critters. Is that just for decoration there, or they do? Yeah, there's
2: just like a few of these little floating islands. That like this one over here has a bunch of pipes on it. They're just going into that big hole. I do wish I kind of drew that a bit bit better, so then the holes don't just stop right at the hole. Pipes don't. It's fine. But like the entire idea is, what are those pipes for? Why is there a bunch of pipes coming off of it, and where are they going? Like, why are there these big holes, and it's this weird red stuff in it? Like, it's a mystery.
1: Wondering if you could actually go down the holes, but you can't. It's
2: just like a stopper thing. Like the, like with this one, like they're, they're supposed to like, they're designed to like keep these areas more like enclosed, because that's like the gimmick of this of like that one area was like there's a bunch of smaller sections with holes like blocking them, and you have to figure your way out through them. Like this one, it's just a big circle that kind of shows you the robots. Like, there's not a lot of them, and they just go around the biggest, like, fairly large circle. And that's kind of all they do. Like, these robots, they just don't really... I don't have pathing or anything, at least not really. They just, like, bounce off any surface they touch.
1: Oh, is there any randomization in them? Do they just go in a random direction until they bump into something?
2: Yeah. They just go in a random direction until they hit something, and then they go somewhere else. It's a fairly simple game, really. I do kind of like the robot guy, though. But I generally just think robots are cool and factories and stuff.
1: Yeah, I was telling Dylan earlier, it kind of reminded me of a game called Alan Wake, where you got to get from like light pole to light pole, and this is kind of the same way you got to get to the next charging station. I've
2: heard of that game. I think that's the one where you play as the... Like, you have to shoot the light up. Like, you have your flashlight and you have to shine it at the shadow people. Yeah, so exactly. you can shoot them. Well, this is really it to my game there's not much else to it i mean there is an ending part but that really doesn't represent anything like the like i could probably just show that to you since it would be fairly difficult probably not
1: but dylan said he got to what he thought was like a big crystal which he thought was the ending
2: yeah you go into like the teleporter crystal thing and then you get taken to the room with the big machine with the heart in it and all the pipes. Oh, That was, like, from the original game. Like, that was the starting area, and then you had to go off from that to get to the other places. But I didn't really know how to make that and how to make that actually work. So we just have this little game now.
0: I don't know. I thought, like, I ended up walking through the crystal, so I don't know what I did. Oh, you walked through it?
2: Yeah. That's weird. Maybe that there's just some weird collision on that. Or maybe I didn't set that up right. But you're supposed to collide with it. Maybe it'll work here. And if it doesn't, I could probably just show you the room. But that's weird. I guess I'm sorry that that didn't work. It happens. It happens.
0: I, I. It yeah. was It was kind of confusing to me because I was like, I don't know if I finished. That that's it. Yeah, this thing? Yeah. Okay, yeah. There's a
2: bunch of weird collision with that, I guess. I'm sorry that that didn't work, but...
1: It's fine.
0: It happens. Yeah. I... I do stuff like that all the time.
2: I probably should have tested that bit more because I didn't test that very well.
0: I,
1: Game Maker I, can be weird too. Yeah. To switch oh views. Point. If
2: I put it to here, can you see the Game Maker window? Um, not yet. Not yet, no. All right. I don't know how to swap it. I guess I go to share screen.
0: Yeah, I think you may just have to stop the Hangout and then restart it no, with the new I, application. I think I swapped it.
2: I can open it right about here. Can you see it, like the
0: Game Maker window? Not No, it's it's still showing your icon. Yeah, All right. it,
1: like Hangouts, can, you can like, share a screen or share an app. Or...
2: Yeah, now you can. That's what I was doing. Let's see if I can do it. Yeah, now. if you
0: if you limited to an app, I think you actually do have to stop and restart right. your screen sharing. All
1: right. Like
0: go back. To the video call stop and then go back up to the menu and do you
1: may have Yeah I think you may do. have refreshed. I, I didn't yeah. mean like stop the entire call. <laughs> well maybe that'll <laughs> fix it hopefully. Oh there he is. Yeah.
2: Alright, let's try this again.
0: Sure. Can you see it now? Mm-hmm. Nope. No. Alright. You may just want to do the entire screen. All right.
2: Stop sh- Stop screen share. Screen share. Your entire screen. Share. Hey, right. There we go. There you go. Now, can you see the... Yep. Gimmick- All right. So, this is, like, the place you were supposed to get to. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know where the robot went. But there's, like, a... it's like, let's just spawn him back in, I guess. Like, So you kind of like, we're supposed to start here, and then you'd walk all the way up, and then you'd touch this, and the game would just restart. But it's like a very simple type of thing. Like, this was supposed to be the original beginning, and like, you'd go up to this, and it was supposed to say something like, ominous, and then you'd leave, and then you'd have to go to the different areas with similar machines, but with like, different organs inside of it. Like, maybe like a liver, or like a brain or something, along with the heart, to like, symbolize an entire factory. Or something like that. And then you'd have to, like, eventually come back. Awesome job. Yeah, I guess. I do wish I did kind of fix up the game a bit more, since I didn't... Can you still hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. I do wish I worked on the game a bit more. I didn't really know what to do with it or what direction to take, so it just kind of ended up being a game, I guess. I just wish I worked on it a bit more and did more bug testing and checking with it. Since to me, it just kind of seems a bit
1: broke. There's only so much you can do in 48 hours or 72 hours. Yeah. I think my Hangouts froze up. Yeah, mine did too. Okay, Uh, I'm going to show off my game. And I got a little small mini-talk and... It could probably be a talk for another time, but I want to go ahead and talk about it since on the leaderboard security. Since um since it's fresh on my mind. Um so yeah, this is a simple game. You click on the the chicken, or no, you don't click on the chickens. The chickens oh, run back and forth. So my original not- thought for this game oh, I need to share. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. Share. Share. So my original idea for this game was i was gonna do like the tamagotchi thing where you have an egg and you click on the egg and then uh then you have the chicken grow up and you got to keep your chicken alive i'm gonna have to mute this there we go but then i thought i was like okay i don't have time to do all that so i'm just gonna have a chicken running back and forth and I'm going to have these apples fall, and you just try to click the apples to keep the apples from falling on the chicken's head. Then, if you knock out the chicken, then it's game over. Uh, once you click on so many apples, you get additional chickens, which I know you can get two. I don't know if it's possible to get three yet. I didn't do a lot of playtesting on this. Um, but I, for this one, I did uh, use the uh, <clears throat> thing in the rule book about using previous code. So I used my. Leaderboard example. So this is my first leadum Dari to actually try to incorporate a leaderboard into the game. Um, so it's pretty simple. I think I just spent like six or seven hours on this one. I didn't put too much work into it. Uh, but let me show off the game. So there's the title screen. You got the chicken. I did this in Blender and did the music in uh, GarageBand. And, of course, Unity. So you just start out, and the apples fall pretty slowly. I think I saw a couple of comments, I was reading uh, Recursor's comment, and he said that sometimes the apples were kind of hard to click, so you have you click so many, you're going to have two chickens, and the chickens move like at a random, dire- they just move left and right, but they move uh, for a random amount of time, and then they stop for a random period, so you never know exactly how long they're going to stop and how long they're going to move so I'll just that, get...
0: that actually did kind of feel realistic for birds. If you've watched <laughs> birds move around,
1: yeah. So I got uh, I got thirty two seconds. I'll submit that. So it's going to submit and hopefully come back. So yeah, Dylan, you did really good on this one. <laughs> you got thirty six seconds.
0: I um, don't know how I managed that. Like I played <laughs> it a couple of times. Um, one of the things I I found interesting was so it. it eventually occurred to me that you don't have to click on every apple you just have to click on the ones that are going to hit your chicken
1: yeah so you got to kind of anticipate where the chicken's going to stop yeah when the apple so it's completely random i mean uh
0: well it was it was kind of interesting because there's almost a trade-off there where if you don't click on apples you don't get the extra chickens um, for a second, I wondered like, well, if I don't click on a lot of apples, will that keep the apples from speeding up? And, you know, it almost seems like if, if you wanted to polish up the game, you could make different game modes where, you know, if, if you didn't want chickens to get hit, then it, it might be advantageous not to get a whole lot of chickens. Cause that makes it more likely that they get hit or not to click on a lot of the apples cause it speeds it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the way I have it is like different waves. So every time you see apples spawn, that's like one wave. And then there's like three waves in every level. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to automatically. So after, uh, three waves, it's going to increase, uh, either the gravity or the number of apples that are spawned each time. Yeah. So like down here, it says level five. I just kind of had this as debug just so people know what's going on down here. Uh, so it could be the case that after three waves, you get a whole lot more apples or you get a lot more gravity. Um,
0: yeah. I remember it ramped up pretty, pretty harshly. Like one time I, I played, like I, I got that for a while. And then about the end, it just rained down apples.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think at around that 36 second point, around 40 seconds, I think, uh, it almost becomes important. Like, this guy got 49 seconds, uh, but it seems like 35, 30 seconds. Six seconds, to kind of levels off.
0: Yeah. Like, um, he, he found a way to make it through one more wave or something.
1: Um, the one thing I did do is I cached the username. I probably should display it again at the end, but uh, so the first time you play it, um, you'll enter the name for the leaderboard, at, but then it the subsequent times after that uh, it just stores that and submits the same name which i've done for some other games before um uh, but yeah what i was going to talk about so that's the game i'll probably do a time lapse a little bit later i have the uh, video and now i didn't get the time lapse video for uh the garage band stuff because i think on mac os there's like this new permission you got to give obs and i didn't do that so I, I'm, I'm, that won't be in the time lapse. Uh, but what I was going to talk about, and I actually had, did slides for is leaderboard security. So I actually wrote this code, or actually I started with someone else's code who developed a MySQL, PHP, and Unity solution for doing leaderboards. And it is on my GitHub as well. It's linked off the uh, project page right in my previous code right here. So what this allows you to do is it sets up a little database and PHP. So what I did with this code, I mean, it didn't work with Unity 5, so I updated it. So it works with Unity 5 and later versions. And also I cleaned up the SQL database and added some new features uh, such as different data types that it can store, such as time and score. I think this originally was just, it takes an integer and that's all you can do. Um, But yeah, you can get that code up here. So with the security, and I'll talk about it here in a little bit, what happened was somebody, what I think is funny about this is I think some people had more fun hacking the leaderboard than playing the game. Um, but yeah, I looked into that. Uh, someone generated a score, and it was obviously, it was like 16 minutes. It's was like, okay, nobody played this for 16 minutes and stayed alive for 16 minutes. I'm going to say this really wasn't malicious, uh, because all they did was submit one, uh, score, one bogus score. Uh, if somebody really wanted to be a pain, they could just like try to fill up the database or something like that. So they didn't do that. So I, I was kind of happy that somebody did expose the vulnerability in this leaderboard system just so I know what was going on, things to look out for if I ever wanted to uh, take this further. And I think it makes it a more secure or more mature software product. And that's one benefit to open source is like, if I put the code out there then somebody can like look at it and find out what, what are the security vulnerabilities in it? I've never personally really hadn't, interest in hacking but i need to be aware of it that people can do it and now it can be used to exploit games <clears throat> and uh, it reminded me of dylan what you told me one time Is like when i was searching for kitty's adventure like on duck, duck go or wherever it would come up and say uh kitty's adventure hacks or cheats or something and i was like well don't take that personally it just means people are actually trying to figure out people are playing your game so don't take it the wrong yeah way so yeah so so it's pretty obviously obvious here's the uh, the hacked value Uh, they put in 16 minutes and they put LD hacker so I was like okay yeah, this really wasn't malicious or anything Uh, but what I found out when I started looking at the code they submitted a value of uh, 100,000 so the way the leaderboard stores uh, the value for time uh, it stores it in hundredths of a second so if you look at it, a uh, hundred thousand equals sixteen times sixty thousand, which uh, is the number of minutes. Forty times a hundred, which is four thousand, and zero times one, which is the hundreds of a second. So you had ninety-six thousand, four thousand together, and that'll give you the sixteen minutes and forty seconds. So the first thing I did is I went into the database, my my SQL database, and looked at it, and I can see. Here's the columns that are defined for the scores. So um, originally I didn't have this ID, but I went ahead and generated a unique identifier in later versions of this uh, leaderboard code. Just so if I wanted to delete a value or things like that, I could just delete it by ID and not have to actually say delete the name where name equals this and, and value equals that. And you just say delete ID this makes things a lot simpler. Um, so I didn't delete this value. I just kind of set them back down to one <laughs> um, just to take them down off the top of the leaderboard. But you can see some things. It's like, okay, this score was submitted kind of around the same time as this guy. So whoever did this one probably also did this one as well. And so the next thing I did was I looked at the web logs. So the, So the way this leaderboard works, it just makes like, I don't know if it's, a, if it's REST, but it's just like regular HTTP calls that gives you a 200 code back. So what it does is uh, you call add score, scores add score, and you pass it uh, the game ID, which is unique for all my games. In this case, it's 6,651, the name, the score you want to submit, and a hash value. So what the hash value does is that it ensures that it's uh, like uh, a legitimate score as best as it can so what it does is it takes the game id the name the score and a secret key quote unquote secret key hashes those together and generates a unique value and you pass that as a parameter so then when the web server gets it when the php code gets it it takes those same values that you pass as web url parameters the game name, and score, then it also has that quote-unquote secret key uh, on the server side. So when it gets it and it hashes those same values, it compares that hash value with the one that was submitted by the game, and if those two are equal, then you know you got a legitimate score. Otherwise, if you just submit like a hash with the game, name, and score without that secret key in the hash, then it's going to generate... A different hash value that's not going to equal the one that's on the server so when I uh, did I guess I maximize this a little bit more uh, so when I looked at this the one thing I did realize this wasn't a brute force hack it wasn't somebody just trying to continually pound the web server with different hash values uh, so the question is, is how did they calculate the correct hash to insert this value um, the another thing is is like I was kind of relieved to actually see they did I guess you call this kind of like an endpoint, a web endpoint or something, that they actually did use that interface for, for submitting the score. Now if I saw that score pop up on the leaderboard and if there wasn't a uh, a web, uh, an entry in the web log, they'll, then I'd be thinking, oh, somebody actually hacked into the server, or they hacked in directly to the database, and they got direct access to the database. So it's kind of relieved to actually see this in the web logs. Uh, so one thing that's kind of neat is in the web logs, you can actually get their IP if you really want to try to track somebody down. You can get their IP right here and run it through an IP trace, and you can actually just do a trace route. And find out where this person is. So I could actually trace it back to San Mateo here. Now, if they're running through a VPN, then this data probably isn't accurate. It wouldn't be accurate. But since it resolves to a uh, Comcast.net destination, then I think that's probably legitimate. There's also a good site called whatsmyip.org. You can do the same sort of the same thing with this, submitting IPs and finding. Uh, locations, plus there's a lot of other good tools on that site so I wanted to mention it so I talked about this a little bit earlier uh, what I'm using is I'm using the MD5 uh, hashing algorithm, which a lot of, if you ask any security expert, they're going to tell you that's unsecure, you need to be using like SHA or I uh, forget the other, not RSA, but there's a couple of de- AES, they say you should use like AES-256 or something like that But I think for just a leaderboard, I think MD5 is okay. Uh, I'll talk about it a little bit more at the end, but I don't think the hashing method was actually the vulnerability in this case. So I talked about this a little bit earlier earlier in the C code. I just do an MD5 sum of the name score, uh, the game ID, and the secret key. And uh, then submit that using a www, I think it's, I don't have it in the screenshot right here, but it's like a www request object, and you just send that off to the web server. One thing that I realized is if you're running your game on the same web server as the database or the endpoint that you're submitting to, then you won't have any problems with a webgl game but if your webgl game is running on a different server such as itch.io and you're trying to submit the score to LeviDSmith.com, then that won't work i've tried that before it won't work so the one question i have is like well since we're doing ludum dare here all you're supposed to submit your source code which means it's open source so it's open source more secure than closed source well with closed source code, you do have security through obscurity. So if this was a closed source game, then nobody would really know what string I'm submitting here, which gives you a little bit security, but it's not ever truly secure.
0: Yeah, the the fact that it's a, a web like a web URL and the fact that it's a unity game, there are pretty much there are ways you could do that that are, are pretty simple.
1: Yeah, uh, to get that information. I'm on. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that here in a little. So I actually went on a quest to try to hack my own game. The one other thing that you can do is it will give you a little not true security, but instead of submitting these like as uh, URL parameters, like GET parameters, you can submit them as POST parameters. But if you know what you're doing, you can still see those POST parameters. You just won't see them in your browser URL. Uh, so with open source code. Uh, it could be more vulnerable but you have more people looking at it that's always been the whole get mantra type thing with open source it's like well since it's open source you got more eyeballs on it so if there are vulnerabilities hopefully somebody's going to see it and find a solution for it uh, So I already talked about that generating the hash so here's the server side code right here um, <clears throat> so i get the name as a get parameter score game and then the hash value that's submitted and I do some sanitizing of the string in case they submit bad things. Here's the secret key that I blurred out right here. I'm going to have to rekey all my games anyway. One uh, thing that I should do that I don't currently have is I should have the secret key in the database and probably have a, a secret key for each game. That way, if the key is compromised, I'm not having to go through and rekey all of my games, <laughs> which is probably going to take quite a bit of time. But yeah, that's how I do the MD5 hash right there. I can't remember if it's a PHP-like module, or if you just call MD5. So if the expected hash equals the hash that's generated on the server side, then we're going to insert it into the database. Otherwise, we're going to say invalid hash. So here's a way to generate an MD5 sum, which I can bring up. Uh, I usually use... uh, my not SIGWin um uh, my the other one <laughs> which I uh MinGW yeah Min GW you can do like uh, an echo dash in and say I want to do an MD5 hash on Levi that can uh do echo dash in Levi to MD5 some I think md5 is pretty standard if it's not you can include it and that'll give you the MD5 hashes it's just this long string of characters right here one important thing is to put the dash in after your echo, because if you just echo Levi MD5 sum, then I think it's going to uh, put a new line after Levi right there. Then you're going to get a completely incorrect hash for that string. It's going to include that new line right there. So I did like a simple test right here, did an echo dash in, Knox Game Design. I'm gonna submit a value of 42 to game 6651. I'm gonna use the secret key, hello. Then I got this hash. And then when I try to submit that, it gives me an invalid hash value because hello does not match the secret key that's on the server. Um, Okay, so one other cool thing you can do, and I can do this real quick right here. If you got the game running, you can go to web develop, if you're using Firefox, You can go to Web Developer, and then Network, and bring it. If it's not selected, just press this Network tab. So I'm going to click Restart on the game. Oh, no. There it goes. So I'm just going to let the chicken die here. Okay. Come on, chicken. Come on, chicken. Go ahead and die. I guess I should click Apples. It may speed it up. (laughs) Maybe that's the key to the... Okay. There it goes. So you can see there, right... As the game ended, it's going to submit these values, uh, and it's going to keep that cached LDS, LDS um, name, and submit a new hash right there. And for what it's worth, even if this was running under like this
0: was a Windows game,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, there's a program called Fiddler. Fiddler. I think it, it used to be a Microsoft product. It's it's for Essentially, debugging web applications. Oh, okay. Like if I'm if I'm developing a web application and I want to see what uh, calls made to the browser, or the browser made to the server, and what it got back, I can run that and it will it will look through all the traffic that's coming through my my uh, uh, computer. Oh, okay. And this, it was kind of like what existed before the web developer toolbar was a thing.
1: Oh, but, okay. Yeah, I didn't know about this until like a couple of weeks ago and somebody that I know was like, oh, you can just get all the web traffic through Netscape or not Netscape. Wow, I'm going really way back there. Uh, Firefox. yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool tool. So I'm going to have to look into Fiddler. I also I was trying to debug a printer problem. I got like a little kind of network printer here, and I down- downloaded Wireshark, which I know is kind of like a hacker type tool. But I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, Fiddler, and the reason I say Fiddler,
0: I'm not really sure about like Wireshark and how all that stuff works. Fiddler is really, really like, it's like, at the HTTP level oh, instead God. of actual like checking your network pack packets or something like that. It's, it's not, it's not really a hacker application. It really is for just doing web development.
1: Yeah. I've, I've never taken a network. That's one of my regrets is I never took a networking class. So everything I've learned is just kind of like, I really never had like an interest in networking. I was more like, Hey, I like developing apps.
0: Oh yeah, the same like what I know
1: for networking is just kind of a means to an end. Exactly. It's like, oh, let me know what I need to do to get this problem fixed. But in the game, right here, you can notice is like it'll do a add score once it's over with, then it will pull down the top scores. I think I added a little bit of delay. And then I do like a, and all the codes online, if anybody wants to look at it, I think there's like a yield command. So you kind of like kick off a co-routine and then you yield until you get like a response. I'm not sure if you get a response back or not, but I think it's supposed to yield until that score has been submitted. But you may still need like a little bit of delay in there. Cause sometimes i would noticed it would display the scores before, uh, the score is added. So if you had a top score, you wouldn't see it until the next time you played the game. But in every case, it's supposed to do an add score, then get the top scores and go back here. Oh, and the one cool thing about the, uh, I keep wanting to say Netscape, Firefox is um, you can edit this URL, then resend it. So if you do want to try to hack it, then you can like change the value here, or change the hash, then resubmit that there's a cool tool uh, out there. There's a few of these online, but one that I found is MD5 Reverser. I won't go to it, but I'll just show what it does. So you can pass in a MD5 hash, and it has like this huge database of all these common words and common strings. If you give it an MD5 hash, cause with an MD5, uh, there's no key or anything like that. So uh, every word will always hash to the same value. So it has this huge database, and if you submit a string, then it's it's going to check its database or its dictionary, then return if it has a valid MD5 hash for that value, what that value is. So you can see, like with this one, i submitted this MD5 hash for Newton, and it found Newton. But when I hashed uh, Newton plus the game ID, plus uh, the score, plus the secret key, which I have blocked out here. I generated a hash for that. Then I tried to look that up, and it didn't come back with value. So that's telling me that it is a secure hash, or it is a secure string right there. Um, So the first thing I wanted to do is, like, I wanted to figure out how these guys, how they did this. And I found, just like doing some searching, I found a few different tools, il-spy, Unity you tiny ripper and dot p like i said i'm not a hacker i just kind of just want to know how they did this the first one i tried was il spy which can be used to decompile unity code Uh, seems like it was better decompiling uh the the c sharp the core files i could never get like a handle on my actual code uh, so that one really didn't... I tried opening, like, the uh, WebGL WASM code Unity web file, which I think is where all of the values for my game are defined.
0: <clears throat> yeah, so ILSpy is a... It's specifically for .NET or Mono. And so that's that's why. Like, it...
1: Uh, so I was trying to I, feed a WebGL into something that's expecting a Yeah, I found that with a couple of these. There's probably like a tool specifically for hacking uh, the Unity web, the WebGL files. The next one that I tried was this DevX Unity. Seems like they had like a free version, then a paid version or something. So with this one, I was actually able to go in and decompile. So with this, I did use uh, the Windows version because I posted both Windows, Mac, and the web version. So I'm just gonna say, okay, I'm just gonna try to hack the Windows version because that seems like that's just the simplest way to get at that key. So I was able to go in and find the assembly c in the generated build, and ran through this, through this uh, decompilation option. And this thing has a ton of options, so I really didn't know what I was looking at here. If you really know what you're doing, then you probably know which values you can like select the decompiler type, dnspy, things like that. So I just tried a few of the different values, and I was able to generate all the get a look at all the CS the C sharp files in my program. But when I clicked on one of them, it would display like the constants value that I had defined, but it wouldn't actually display the value. It showed like the name of the variable or the constant, but it wouldn't show the actual value. So I was like, okay, that one didn't work. Uh, another one that I read about was You Tiny Ripper. Uh, and I think, I can't remember if I passed this, the, uh, yeah, this one actually took the Unity Web data file. So with this, and the one inter- inter- interesting thing about this, if you uh, have a WebGL game that you post out on the web, you can use this tool I wouldn't recommend doing it, especially for like a commercial game or anything, but you can actually point it at the, your Unity web file and extract all of the image files, all your sprites, all your PNGs, JPEGs, all your music files, and things like that. It actually preserves the names as well. So... Uh, your textures and music files are not secure. Your font files are not secure in one of these Unity web packages. So this is the one that worked for me. And it's actually made by... It's called Dot peak and it's made by uh, JetBrains, which is actually... I've used some of their products, like IntelliJ. Uh, they seem to have good stuff. Uh, but the interesting thing about this... Let me see if I can... Oh, try to run it right here dot peak yeah jetbrains.peak. dot peak
0: yeah i think i think this is another um net decompiler which again that, that's a debugging tool you know if i'm using a library and dot net and i want to see what it's doing so i can see why it's failing or i can do something like it exactly. that's what i use I it's like it's a legitimate that. thing
1: yeah, exactly. So just for debugging, this is good to know for debugging. But I guess the one thing that I took away from this is, like, if you do have a Unity game, let's see if I ch- click on chicken here, you can view all of the methods. I think you can actually double-click on one of these. So it'll try to decompile it. And it looks pretty close to source code right here. I mean, I don't put my open braces on new lines or anything, but is like yeah if you got a unity build you can run it through dot peak and you can get pretty much all the source code so i do have this constants right here i'm not going to click on this one because i don't want to rekey my game right now uh but yeah you can get those values for the leaderboard key so once you get this leaderboard key then all you have to do is run your own md5 hash on those values since it's open source you know the format that the server is expecting and then submit your values like that, um, like you were saying, Dylan. I, I couldn't get dot peak to work for WebGL, so there may be a, sim- a similar program to dot peak for WebGL. I don't know.
0: I mean, I, I would pretty much expect that it, because if you're sending something down to the client, it's it's at the client. You know, like yeah. you can. There's probably some way to read it.
1: Yeah, if anything else, if you're good enough, you can take a hex editor and go. If you know where that value is in memory, you can just open up a hex editor and start reading those bytes off and get it that way. Okay, so here's another thing. This is one of my first things that I thought could have been the problem. So I was live stream, foolishly, I was live streaming me working on the leaderboard code. And of course, I'm, I displayed the secret key, uh, on screen. So if somebody was watching at that exact moment, they could have seen the key right there. Uh, I did set it to private after is only viewed four times, but that's what, something to definitely keep in mind. If you're live streaming, don't expose your keys on live stream. Also, if you're submitting your code to, uh, a source code repository, such as GitHub or Bitbucket, make sure you take out your secret keys, your private keys uh out of your source code or better yet what i did is i just put those keys in a separate file then put that in my like get, dot, get ignore, dot .ignore file so i'm not checking in the key into the source code repository uh as we were talking about a little bit earlier one other thing that that could be possible is like if you are good enough and you can't hack the memory then you could actually hack the game memory and have it submitted that way. It's probably a little bit more difficult to do that. Um, so the one thing that I noticed looking at the web blogs I probably mentioned this a little bit earlier, but in the game, uh, ad score is called right before display scores, or ad scores does, uh, called right before top scores which returns scores so if you see an ad score followed by display scores.html which is the web page where i display the score or display scores online that means somebody's probably trying to hack it because display scores is leaderboards right here this is display scores so that means somebody submitted a score and then they didn't go through the the game they they just tried to load this web page so that's kind of a key to show that a illegitimate score. Um another thing is is like, well, maybe somebody actually found a glitch in the game and was able to get it to run for 16 seconds. Maybe they found a way to get the chicken to run outside the fence or something like that. Or like an automated clicker or something like that as a possibility. Another thing that I thought could have been an issue was when I was looking through my weblogs, I saw a lot of calls to MediaWiki. Now that could have been uh just a bot but seems like some of them were pretty close around the same time as these as score requests uh so i looked at my media wiki which i just had for like doing documentation and things like that last time i updated that was november 2017 so i think there was some possible exploits in that one my one complaint about media wiki which is the same thing wikipedia runs off of uh it's not an easy patch. You actually have to download a tar, not G Z, extract it, and change some config settings, move your images directory over. I wish there was like a button, a one press button in MediaWiki like there is for WordPress that just updates it for you and keeps it up to date. So maybe I'll have to write some scripts to do that or something. And another thing you gotta watch out for is like yeah some people do put out hacker bounties to say, hey, if you can, like, submit a score to this leaderboard, we'll give you $200 or something. So some there is that type of stuff that goes around. But this whole thing, I, I was thinking about better options for, like, encrypting that key, uh, which is never going to be, like, completely secure. Because you, I was kind of thinking, like, the old Game Maniac match in here. Uh, you got to put the key somewhere. Whether you probably don't want to put the key in under the welcome mat in front of your door, but you got to put it somewhere. Even if you hash it a million times, a person can do that as well. Uh, the only secure way is like doing like a public key encryption, where the client has a private key and a public key, and the server has a private key and a public key, and then it would encrypt the score with its private key and the server's public key, and then the server would decrypt it with its private key and the client's public key. So that's a way to do secure transmission of those values, but it still isn't securing the key within your game. Uh, there are some tools out there ca- called obfuscators, so that that's another option. So like instead of having it as a variable called leaderboard key, then it would call it foo245 or something like that. So just make it harder for somebody to get at that key. Another thing, as we mentioned earlier, just don't make it open source. That'd make it a lot harder to hack. Uh, One other thing that you could do, and I've seen some systems online do this, was like a ticketing system. So you could like make a request to the server saying, hey, I want to submit a score to the leaderboard. Then the server would come back and give you a ticket and then say, okay, you can submit a score. Here's a ticket to do that. Submit your score within the next 60 seconds or so. Then it would verify that ticket on the server once you submit it. Now, a person or could always like emulate that, but it just makes it harder for them to submit an illegitimate score. And you could also like have the person provide their IP to get a ticket back and hash that maybe and just give you a little bit more really not security but uh uh make it a little bit more difficult for somebody to submit an illegitimate score and so i noticed somebody else uh, submitted i love chickens with a uh, time of like 169 or 6 million or something like that um i'm not sure if this was the same person that hacked it before because once that person knows the key he can submit as many scores as he want to. Uh, but yeah, obviously he didn't go through the game interface because he went directly to add scores to display scores. He didn't get top scores. But what's weird is it's at the exact same time to the second. So it's almost like done in one request, um, which is kind of weird. So I noticed a little bit further down, I was looking through all the add score calls, and there was a add score and... Uh, he submitted a score and a hash, and it didn't end up in the database. So that was a failed attempt at adding a score to the to the database. But yeah, here's some. I'll I'll put these slides up on the website um, about the MD5 reverser and a really good article about how to like protect Unity games from hacking. But I don't think there's any like surefire way to completely protect that. I mean, if there's a way to hack it, then somebody probably will yeah i mean
0: i think the only real surefire way is a platform like you know how steam does achievements and things like that. Is you have to log in or google play or something like that
1: yeah and that's you get into the whole two-factor authentication where it's like and that's the thing about this leaderboard why it's insecure is that i don't require somebody to log in So once you require somebody to log in, then that's something that they always talk about two-factor authentications, like it's something you know and something you have. So if you had like a a token or something that changed values, or if it's a value in your head, then you can add what's in your head to that hash value. But since I just kind of leave it open for people to submit whatever scores they want to, then that leaves it to...
0: yeah. I don't know that there's, like you said, I don't know that there's a solution to it other than putting more layers in between, um, you know, the 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 key and where it's used in code. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess all there is to, is to make people jump through more hoops. But, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of fun. I, I thought it was uh, kind of fun figuring out how, how they hacked the leaderboard there, which... You know, will look into it some more. Oh, one other thing I wanted to share. Oh, I guess I'll go around. Uh, hey, Jacob, was there anything else you wanted to talk about or share this month?
2: I don't really have anything to talk about or share too much.
1: Oh, okay. Well, thanks for showing up and showing off your game.
2: You're welcome. Uh, I've been working on like, some game experiments, but not really anything major.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, well, if you have anything to show next time, just let us know. Uh, okay. Dylan, was there anything else you wanted to show or talk about no nah, i don't have anything else okay i was gonna show off one thing i was looking i was putting up a lot of all my old stuff and my grandfather he that believe me this does in a way correlate to game development but he did like whittling he did like a lot of wood carving work and he made these wooden chains which i i have a few of these but uh he made like these wooden pliers and things like that so after all the years uh the local newspaper called the O'Cridger, they came by and they did an interview with them. And the, the one thing I liked about this article right here is called uh, Whittler. It's just something you have the urge to do. And I kind of feel like this is the same thing with game development. It's like game development is just something you have the urge to do if you if you if you don't want to make games then then it's probably not for you so i think that kind of applies in many different facets it's like whatever your thing is you just got to have the urge to do it i guess with any hobby So, anyway, that's going to wrap it up. Stop. Yeah. uh, You go to www.noxgamedesign.org to go to the website and find all our past episodes. Our uh, podcast is on iTunes if you want the audio version, or you can go uh, to the website and get all the video as well, which I definitely recommend. Um, A lot of good stuff out there. Uh, so yeah, the uh, plan is next month is I want to talk a little bit about Pi game, the game that I've been developing in Pi game. And then probably the following month will be uh, maybe Mono game if I get around to that. If anybody else out there has anything they want to do a topic on or whatever, just let me know. present whenever. So anyway, uh, thanks everyone out there for listening and watching.